I got a brand new hour of stand-up material December 7th and 8th. I am in Salt Lake City at Wise Guys Comedy Club. All those shows are sold out, so thank you to the good Mormon people of Salt Lake City, Utah. December 9th at the Paramount Theater in Denver, Colorado is all but sold out. It's like 95% sold out, so if you can get the last remaining tickets, go. Then big ones, January 12th in San Diego at the Magnolia Theater, El Cajon, California, and the big, big one, January 13th at the Wiltern in Los Angeles. That is a historic, iconic venue. If you're in the Los Angeles area, Southern California area, come out and see that show. I'm doing my hour. I'm gonna be filming my hour like a month after that, so, and then I'm off the road for close to a year. So, and then February 2nd in Nashville at the Ryman, another historic venue, and then February 3rd at the Warner Theater in Washington, D.C., and I end it all February 9th in Reno, Nevada at the Grand Sierra Resort. I've never been to Reno, but it is very close to the state capital, Carson City, Nevada, so I'm definitely gonna go, and I will legally have sex with a prostitute. <laughs> yes. Carson City, Con Air. That's it. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, go to MikeCannonComedy.com. I have a brand new hour not seen on any of the specials I've put out, ready to record in, in the coming year. Thank you so much to the Chrissy Chaos fans that are starting to come out. I really appreciate it. December 8th and 9th, I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. at the Comedy Loft. Uh, Brendan Sneaky Raccoon Sagalow will be opening. December 22nd, I'm in Stamford, Connecticut at New York Comedy Club Stamford. And then to end up the year, on the 29th of December, I'm in Lansing, Michigan at Hilltop studio December 30th I'm in Grand Rapids Michigan at Midtown Grand Rapids so let's uh, cap the year off great and then early early next year January 6th come celebrate the holiday in Pottstown Pennsylvania Soul Joel's Comedy Dome and then the 11th through the 13th of January I'm in Tampa then I'm going to be in Vegas Chandler Arizona shout out Matthew Perry and then I'll be back in Salt Lake City as well all tickets at MikeCannonComedy.com All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Chrissy Chaos, a historic episode of Chrissy Chaos, if I may add. This is the very last episode from this podcast studio. We're moving to a new podcast studio. We're leaving the studio and we're going out here with a bang. Our guest is the one and only Sebastian Maniscalco, and we're going to get to him, we're going to talk to him, but I'd like to start the podcast today, and then I'd like an immediate rebuttal and comment from Sebastian about this my beautiful co-host, Mike Cannon, who looks like Sebastian's camera guy, <laughs> is sent me an unsolicited text last night. And I said, I'm going to start the show, read this text, because I, I just woke up and was like, what's going on here? From Mike Cannon, 11.15 last night. Dude, I actually have a real theory that this might be hell. People think hell is all fire and brimstone and demons face-fucking you with the red-hot dick. But if that goes on for eternity, you would eventually get used to it. The fact that we have good and bad days is actually harder on us emotionally. The hope is what makes this hell. You said that? I said that. Unsolicited. <laughs> unsolicited text. What is that? Uh, I don't know. It's just a thought I had while in a manic episode. <laughs> now, if you wake up, your pot, you have a great response of what is that? <laughs> well, no, it's just sort of very random, and I don't yeah. really know you. No, of course I am. So I don't know if that is normal behavior or is this something out of the ordinary? It was a bit. It's it's not not normal. You know what I mean? It was one of those things. My point is, is this, you know, you have a great podcast with, with the great Pete Corrioli, Pete Sebastian Show. Now, if Pete sent you that text, do, would you call 911? What do you do in case if you read that? Pete? Well, that would be out of character for Pete, so I'd call him up and go, are you on something? What right. happened? I'd be concerned. 
The thing with Mike is he's the guy, you have to know one thing about Mike is he'll, he'll take heroic doses of mushrooms and edibles on a daily basis. So I wasn't sure, is this an edible thing? What is, but it was so grammatically correct and so concise and so profound. It hit me in the chest when I saw it this morning. And I said, what the hell's going on? Maybe Sebastian knows. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> what it means is that eventually, you know, the old school thought of what hell might be, which is just never ending despair and hardship down there in the, amongst the flames and demons and stuff like that. If you're going through that for eternity, eventually you kind of will get numb to it, right? You're just like, ah, oh, it's another day in hell. What, what of it? This world, having good and bad days, is actually more difficult on us emotionally because some days we're at a high and the next day we can be at a low. So the hope, the hope of things being great, but the reality of them being awful is what makes this hell. Is this is how this is going to go? <laughs> this is, well, not, not normally. I do one podcast a day. But maybe... <laughs> I like the fun thing of Mike and I trying to convince Sebastian that this is hell when it's like worldwide arena tours, top of the game in comedy. I'm like, you know what, Sebastian? They're actually in hell, this. buddy. I think we're Move, coming at this from different angles. Movie with Robert De Niro, new HBO show, The Bookie. I'm like, you're in hell, guy. <laughs> this is what it is. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, it makes sense yeah. when you think of me being in a carriage house t typing that at 11.45 well, p.m. Well, it's one of those things, it's one of those things where, you know, I think we were talking about this right before the show started, you know, with, with, with podcasting and kind of this long range stuff, long form stuff, we got to just talk about stuff. And, you know, sometimes you got to just fill the time, even if you don't want to, you just have to fill the time. I did think it was interesting that you said that I did see after it hit me and after I picked myself up off the floor <laughs> and asked my daughter if I could borrow one of her diapers because I shit myself. I said, you're not actually all wrong here. It's mm -hmm. not. This is not hell. I do not believe that this is hell. I mean, look at the complexion on Sebastian. That That's not hell. That's beautiful. You know what that is? What? Self-tanner. Wow. <laughs> see? And you think you're in hell? I heard I was doing the show and I said, listen. Darken me up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have our first black guest, Sebastian Maniscalco. Um, so, notes from the back. <laughs> and so, and so, because you know, it is true. Like I, I heard, I saw a quote once. I'm paraphrasing it, but they said, you know, getting up to like, you know, get into battle or like get your kid out of like a fire. That's heroic, but it's like anybody would do that. The real her heroism is trying to get through the mundaneness of every day with like a smile and like intensity. You know what I mean? Like that's really, if you could do that, yeah. that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you have hard days? Yeah. I mean, we all have hard days, yeah. you know, there's like, you know, raising a family, wife, kids, you know, the struggles of child rearing. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. just tough days. But, and I will uh, tell you, if you're not having a hard day, bluechew.com promo code chaos available for you sponsoring this podcast on a daily basis. <laughs> wow. Um, slip that in. That's right it, now. baby. And you'll slip it in tonight too. If you use bluechew.com, <laughs> chewable tablets made right here in the United States, folks. Um, so... Um, yeah, we're all parents here. We're yeah. all we're all fathers, right? And um, you know, we think about Mike and I as as, as you know, comics on the road. You know, um, with our kids, like missing time away from our family for the business. So you're at like you know the pinnacle of all this. How do you? I don't want to say justifies the wrong word. Like, how do you say to yourself, "I'm going to go on the road or go do a movie and, and sacrifice missing time with them at this point in your career? Like, how, how do you, how do, I guess justify is the right word. How do you justify it all? Well, so I was very conscious of that and I'm like, I need to take some time off. And I think you have a, you have a 
an older child, right? I, I have a 13-year-old stepson, an 8-year-old daughter, and a 2-year-old daughter. Okay, so you got a 13-year-old. So you you know it, it goes by fast. Right? Oh, yeah. And I don't want to be one of these parents that is missing recitals and this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, what, what was I doing in Montana <laughs> right. when my kid was having her recitals? Right. So that has been a struggle for me. And uh, they're at the age 6 and 4 where I'm going to start taking them on the road a little bit more than I've had in the past. And, you know, I've taken some time off and mm -hmm. I've spent some really great moments with them but it is a struggle I mean before you know it you know like you said they're 18 years old and 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 you look and go where did the time go so uh yeah it's it's been a it's, it's been a big uh, point of contention for me do, do they like going on the road with you are they excited about they it they haven't really I mm. mean I took them to Colorado once and you know you know how it is you go on the road sometimes you wrap like a little trip around it yeah. but I don't want to be worried about doing stand-up right and then I got, you know, my kids waking me up at six o'clock. I'm not getting the proper rest. Right. So I guess for me, it's interesting because, you know, like I, you know, am, you know, doing well, you know, like I have, but I still have many goals, like trying to get to some of the things you've already accomplished. Like, right. So, but sometimes when I look at you, you know, guys at your level, like, again, it's like almost like there's nothing you've done the arenas, you've done the movies. Like I was like, if I was ever fortunate enough to get to your position, where would I find the motivation to kind of, you know, be like, I'm, I'm going away and still doing this. So like, how, how do you do that? How do you still stay motivated? Because you've really conquered this game in, well, from our point of view. Well, you'll get, you'll get, you know, your careers on the, on the come up, you know, you're doing bigger and bigger, bigger, bigger shows. More people are coming out to see you. Right. There's a point in your career where you reach, uh, are they still going to come? Mm. You know, you put a big tour on sale. Are they going to buy the tickets? You know, mm. you, you, you sell out, these big arenas, and then you put another tour on, and, and my fear is, is it going to be half full? I mean, how how hot or how popular am I? The that's still a fear that doesn't oh, go yeah, away. All the time. No I mean, kidding. I talk to many comedians. So yeah. But, but, <laughs> but okay, that's, that's not really just my, my no. Heart because I, I I understand it. I understand it. But to me, it's like wait. You're, I, wait before you get into that, you're not worried. When you put tickets on sale, Radio City Music Hall, that uh, the balcony is going to be empty? Uh, I, no, 100% I am. But I, I just, and again, I have this thought now because I haven't reached, you know, your heights. That's what I'm striving for. But I said to myself, I, I would think if I got to these heights, arena tours, doing this, the garden, everything, if then after that, shows weren't as full, whatever, I would say, well, I did look at all this stuff I did. Like I would be happy with what I have, but I don't know if that's true because that's why it's, it's fast. You're fascinating to me. Cause I'm like, Oh, you have like the career that I'm like, Oh, I would love to, to get to that. And I'm like, I, I, if I got there, I bet you, I, I wouldn't go on the road as much, but then it's like to get there, you have this kind of tenacity about you that like, you can't just turn off. Well, you like to do stand up. Mm -hmm. right. I, I really enjoy doing stand up. So right. that's, that's not my problem, but that's just my passion. But look, I mean, you do comedy clubs and you sell all comedy clubs. Do you tell yourself, that's it? I'm right. done. Right, 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 right. You know? No, yeah. the next step is, well, I want to sell more tickets. or I want, you know, I, Listen, when I got in this business, I didn't know or I didn't strive to do arenas. I just wanted to make people laugh for a living. That's it. And it kind of went that. I, I didn't have a vision board. I, I want to do right. all these you know things, mm -hmm. movies, TVs, and, and whatnot. It just basically happened from the success of comedy. But uh, 
for me, I just like to do stand up. Right. Where so there, there wasn't a clear vision to where you, because there are some people that have that business sense about them when they start. Like Aziz has always been very calculated and really smart about the way he positions himself and goes with his career. You didn't have initially like, uh, I'm going to get to here and then position myself to get to here and then that. It's all kind of organically built. Yeah, it was just, uh, I just wanted to stand up. That's and, awesome. And I, and that's beautiful. That's yeah. Because the money, the passion was first, the money came second and the career and all I, I was, I was, I've told the story before, but I had mono when I was 13 and my mom had a bout of uh, gout. Like she was King Henry the eighth. And we were, we were, she was sitting there with gout in her feet and I had mono and we were watching Oprah and, 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 and we were watching Oprah and I was just, you know, sitting there a little kid and Oprah had Dr. Phil on like, this is right when Dr. Phil, like remember Dr. Phil, he'd just be like a guest yeah, yeah. right on the show. And so, Dr. Phil was talking to Oprah and, 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 you know, there's many things that like happen when you're a kid that like some you remember, some you don't, but for some reason like this got etched in my brain. Dr. Phil said to Oprah, he said, you know, Oprah, the, the great thing about you is, is, is you did it right. You have the passion first and the money comes second. And that's the only way this will ever work is passion first, money second. If you reverse it, the, there will always be an evilness and a negative energy attached to that money. Even if you get, if you're going for the money, it's just going to be bad. The passion always has to come first and then the money will follow. And it'll, even if it's less money, it'll be positive money. And I always thought about that because with you, I knew about you as a comic, you know, in the, I've knew about you since 2009, 2010, but like the mass public found out about you a little bit later when you started putting out, I believe you were one of the first waves of comics to shoot a special, but then really everybody started seeing it because of the clips. You were putting the clips out on Facebook and that's where everybody started to talk about Sebastian, the clips, the clips, the clips, the short form content. And you were kind of like this model for us to be like, oh, we got it. The 60 minutes matter much less today than they did 10 years ago. Now it's about the 60 seconds of like, you know, aren't you embarrassed? More, more you know? consumable. Yeah. Yeah, aren't I am embarrassed about the <laughs> about the bell? That's why we're moving this studio. That's why we're moving this studio. Aren't you? We should get whoever rang the bell in, bring them in, and say, "Aren't you fucking embarrassed?" How many times a day, Sebastian, do people come up and go, aren't you embarrassed? Do you have to deal with that at all times? You know, every once in a while. I mean, I, that was one of my earlier specials. But yeah, you get that every once in a while. I think it, it was a good kind of tagline just because mm -hmm. a lot of things are embarrassing now nowadays. And I've always asked a question in my specials. What's wrong with people? Aren't you embarrassed? Why would you do that? This one that I've got coming out now is more of a statement like... Uh, it ain't right. So a lot of things ain't right, right. in the world. And uh, you could use that for you know, fill in the blank. Does it that also come about organically or is that something that you start with a mission statement and then build the act around? I, it's, it's, you know, like you have sayings throughout mm -hmm. the, the year, you know, something right. tends to stick. And the, the saying in our home was, it ain't right. You know, it just ain't right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and I said, why don't we just name a, name a tour around that? And the material has something to do with that. It's not all about it ain't right, but uh, there's a few moments in the mm. in the new material that that that's uh that's kind of the through line yeah i think you know um there has to be some part you know show business right you always hear that and we think about the show a lot but there is a business part of this where it's like yeah taking a tagline taking something making that you know kind of pushing the product out marketing right like people always get so mad at the edison tesla debate that edison stole tesla's ideas it's like well, Edison was just a better marketer of Tesla's ideas. <laughs> yeah. Edison is as genius as Tesla, just in a different field, right? Mm. <laughs> so it's like marketing matters. And, um, and, and I think that, you know, now, especially like in this point that we're in with comedy, with these short form 
clips, it's like you got to put something out and it's got to like mean something and attach to something. That's why I'm doing my new hour is all about Israel, Palestine. What side are you on? Come. We have the middle for the neutrals. Big shows. Now, um, big shows. So, so, and the book, the bookie dude, that's another show that's coming out, right? That, I mean, that thing we saw, we, and we asked for the clip. We didn't, we, we, we just, we just got a clip. I wanted to fucking get a screener of it. I want to see it, but we didn't get a chance to see it, but I'll watch with everybody else. But this show, I showed this to my dad because my dad's like, you know, a neighborhood guy. He's like, finally a show that I want to watch. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's what he said. Yeah. He goes, finally a show that I want to watch. He said, he, was, he goes, I'm sick and tired of watching Gilmore Girls. I said, that show ended <laughs> years ago. He, that's the exact quote. He said, Gilmore Girls. I said, who are you watching Gilmore uh, Girls? He goes, I watch it. <laughs> I watch it. It's the only good thing. <laughs> now, this was a show with Chuck Lorre, right? I mean, The Ledge. Yeah. Chuck Lorre doesn't miss, right? I mean, Chuck Lorre just, he's a hit maker. Pretty much. I mean, this guy's got, what, a thousand episodes of, of <laughs> yeah. TV underneath it's his crazy. belt. crazy. And I went in, we met, it's kind of a general meeting. I, I was pitching him my, an idea of about a show kind of around my life now. And then we had a second meeting. I was, you know what? You know, me and uh, his, his partner, Nick Nick Bakai, we had, we had this idea about a bookie. You know, the, I don't think the topic of being a bookie has really been covered Right. Uh, on TV before uh, in this way. How would you feel about playing a bookie in Los Angeles kind of going, you know, because a bookie's taking bets from not only a trust fund kid, but a college kid, a CEO, a housewife, whatever it might be. And it takes me into a lot of different uh, areas of, uh, of, uh, of Los Angeles that, you know, maybe people don't really see or what have you. So I thought it was like, this is, this is great. I, I, I'm sick of playing myself. You know, right. I did this movie about my father, which I played myself. I did a pilot six years ago playing myself and Tony Danza was my dad. I'm like, you know what? Let me, I want to play somebody <laughs> yeah. that's just not me. And, and this came along in eight episodes. Uh, uh, Omar Dorsey plays kind of my partner in crime or my muscle uh, is is fantastic in it, and you know Chuck Lorre is, is very specific in what he wants. The writing is is great, and uh, I, I really had a great time doing it. Dude, I remember I saw your pilot with Tony Danza, and I loved it. And it came at a time I had a pilot too with CBS at that time, where Chaz Palminteri was playing my father, and you know your show didn't get picked up, and my show didn't get picked up. And I remember my agent at the time being like. Don't feel bad, man. Sebastian's show didn't get picked up either. I said, yes, Sebastian's doing arenas. I got three kids and I'm half sold out at side splitters. So it's a little different for me, you fucking idiot. And 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 so, and, and, and did you like the show that you did? did I, were you proud of it? Or did you did you look back and go, eh, what, what was the take? What I look back at it, to be honest, the people that I made that show with were amazing. What I did. And what I would not do if I ever got that opportunity again this time is I just didn't really have confidence in myself and my abilities and my comedy. I said, you guys are the experts. You tell me what to do. I'm going to do it. And then eventually, maybe if it, this is a hit, season two, season three, I'll start to think about my ideas. And what happened was is the pilot went, you know, the, in the room, you know, it was with CBS. They make you feel like you're, you know, they were introducing me to Ray Romano and Kevin James and you're this next guy like this unless Moonvez is calling me personally and you're our guy and then nothing it goes away right pilot goes we shoot it fails and when i looked at the pilot i said you know i'm in cargo pants that's not who i am i said they got chaz palm and terry in like you know they got chaz palm and terry and myself in cargo pants and they khakis. baited you up big time yeah like, and yeah. i was like this is not what I wanted at all because I was like, rather than saying what I wanted, like when they put in those cargo pants on, they're like, do you like these? And I was like, 
Mm-hmm. But, but, but really, I wanted to be in jeans and mm. Jordans, and then Chaz wanted to be in a fucking black suit with a turtleneck. He guy has one outfit. Yeah. So it's like you, you now you're putting him in all these things that neither one of us are because they were like, oh, but this needs to be appealing to people in Michigan and the Midwest. And I went for that. And the, the lesson that I learned is if I'm going to fail again, I'd rather fail on my own terms yeah. than fail with somebody else's ideas. It made, That's what made me really feel upset because now... But I don't regret it because it got me into podcasting and on the internet and now my career. Now I have what I thought the sitcom was going to get me. I have that now on my own because of just throwing everything out and being like, if it fails, it fails. You get better from the failures. Yeah. So I didn't, unfortunately, love it when I saw it. I have a more appreciation for it now, but I kind of took it as like a learning lesson. Mm-hmm. You know? Did you like yours? With- uh, I, I did, but same same experience. Not, not, not the same, but like I wish I would a little bit more vocal and, and oh, maybe we should do this, maybe we should do that. You're kind of at the mercy of the network sometimes just because they're paying for it. They have opinions. We had a storyline that was thrown out because it was a little too risque and we had to replace it with something else. So, yeah, you go through that process and then you're for the next time, you're more confident going into these situations uh, than you were that's your first time, right? First yeah. time. So, so you don't know what the hell's going on. The book with the book you show, did you have a lot more? Even though I, because it wasn't necessarily your idea. They pitched you on. You're the perfect guy for this. But were you able to interject a lot of your own thoughts, ideas, characters from your stand up into it? Well, that's another thing. You're working with Chuck Lorre. He knows TV. I, I really don't. You know, right. so he kind of knows what works. Uh, but also, I have an opinion. So there was a learning curve where it's like I had a, an instinct, and I've learned in the past you got to trust your instincts. You can't suppress them because if you suppress them, then you end up in cargo pants, right? Yes. So, so yes. Uh, <laughs> bro, great mantra for life. You might end up in cargo well, pants. At some point, can you go to my YouTube, Chris, on air pilot, and just pull up what an oh, absolute it? asshole? Yeah, there we go. What an asshole! I mean, that is not how I dress. That is not how Chaz dresses. I mean, they have. I mean, I felt. You know, listen. It was a good show. I mean, the actor Chaz is. Fantastic, you know Chaz. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, yeah. he's yeah. fantastic actor. I mean, this guy Chaz would be doing his scenes like in rehearsal, and the camera people would be clapping because of how much he nailed it. And then I'd come in and be like, "My name's Chris," you know, like, like just like an idiot. And 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 so it was, you know, it was one of those things where, hey, listen, like I said, I look back, proud. the guys who I made it with, unbelievable guys. They they did a great job, but they did what they know how to do. I they you know they asked me for my opinions on every turn, and I just was too nervous to give it to them. Had I spoke up, they would have gladly put it in, but I was like, whatever you guys want. But, um, but also sometimes you give yourself some grace. It takes this experience to yes. even gain that information. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't I look at that now like all these. Well, now the beautiful thing about podcasting is kind of you almost get I don't want to say it's invincibility. That's the wrong word. But by the way, we should name this episode. That's the wrong word. I've said that a hundred times. <laughs> it's like just pick the right word. You absolute idiot. And, and so and so and so but I do think now it's like if something fails in my career, we have a platform now to kind of make fun of that and kind of yeah. take the power out of the negative and make it all positive. Some some fails on this show or some fails that we do off the show, we come right on the podcast and be like, you, how bad did I just bomb? How bad, where you used to not have that. You used to be like, oh, you fail, you got to deal with it, you got no outlet. Now it's like, I'll make fun of, I mean, I'll make fun of it. Like I go on these daytime talk shows sometimes and I was bombing so much on them that I made a thing, Chrissy, Chrissy Daytimes, 
which was me bombing. So now anytime I go on a daytime TV, my fans are like, oh, he's going to bomb. He's going to bomb. Let's see. It. And, 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 they, and it becomes tune a, in for the train wreck. a positive thing when you like lean into your failures. So I learned that. But I will say the bookie, I think what I liked even just from the clip, I was like, this is interesting now because the bookie, you know, I feel for them, their job is it's going away because it's like- Similar to wheat dealers. Right, it's, exactly. Because you got you got- Places like, you know, prize picks, use our promo code CHAOS, your number one daily fi- daily fantasy sports platform in North America. <laughs> you- Wait a minute. Is this planned? How you weave this shit into the podcast? <laughs> Welcome or- to the chaos. <laughs> <laughs> And you got and 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 so go ahead, use our promo code. Christians. <laughs> and, and so so you got those things now. So the bookie, where does that fit in? Does the show go into exploring that? No, we don't really hit, you know, the you know the comparisons of FanDuel. There's an element of it right. in there, but uh, a lot of people are still using bookies because, Thank God. you know, it's you, you, a lot of credit, right? You get a sure, lot of credit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some people don't want to be on the grid with what they're betting, you know, on these 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 websites, you know. They, they support know small your, business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, know your, they know your actions. So yeah. some people like to be a little private. Sometimes like, it's uh, nice to just do things in cash, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's like, you know what? I know FanDuel and all the great places, but it's like, I don't want to put my info. I'd like to just do this in cold, hard cash. I don't need my family knowing about this. I thought another, I thought a FanDuel promo was <laughs> Well, listen, folks, you know me, and you know the one thing about me that I care about the most is prize picks. I use it, the daily fantasy sports platform, the biggest one in North America. Prize picks, prize picks, prize picks. Sir, you love prize picks. I do love prize picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you. You against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, which, guys, there's so many people out there that know so much more than me about every single subject and every single sport. You can't go against the players. You got to just play the numbers. You do. You pick more that. Hold on. What did I just do? (laughs) Sorry. I just flew off the handle. Well, here, prize picks. What you do is I'll help you out. What you do is with the basketball season here, you pick the combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, the league that you and I are in, as you can tell by our haircuts. (laughs) So and what is this? Specials League, it's a league created specifically for combo for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports. So if you got LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo, it's three-pointers made by LeBron James plus receptions made by Travis Kelsey. The 10.5 combo, that's how you win or lose money. Oh, that's cool. All right. Is so that cool? If you, you know, the prize picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. That's wild. So for football and basketball games, if you have a player, it's like I'm finding out for the first time. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. There you go, dude. So you got no other excuse but to use prize picks. And of course, we're going to give you guys a great discount for listening to the Chrissy Chaos podcast right now. Go to prizepicks.com slash chaos. Use the code chaos for a first deposit match of up to $100. What is it, Mike? That's prizepicks.com slash chaos. Use code chaos for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This episode sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Mike, are you getting hard right now? Uh, no, not by myself. I do need a little bit of a helper. Yes. A lot of stress, you know? It hurts it. Well, and I know that you have a problem swallowing pills. Yeah, I do. Right? 
So Blue Chew are the they are chewable tablets made right here in the USA that has the same ingredients as Levitra, Cialis, Viagra that gives you the rocking hard penis that we all love to see that we miss about you. We do miss that about me. I know my wife does specifically. Yes. And uh, you know, and when you chew them, they actually get into your bloodstream quicker, so it gets you torqued up, ready to go Tor- right away. Right away. Listen. Lasting impressions, that's what it's about. And the best thing about Blue Chew is it's all done entire, entirely online. They, they, you know, you, you talk to someone, they, they make sure you're healthy enough to do it. You, no awkward conversations, no visits to the doctor's office. And then they send you the Blue Chew direct, shipped directly right to your door in a discreet package. But nothing's going to be discreet about that package. You're going to be so freaking stiff, your cock's going to look dead. That's right. And you're going to wear gray sweatpants with full confidence for the first time in your life. 100%. My penis is going to be as big as Vito. <laughs> <laughs> Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code CHAOS at checkout. You just pay the $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code CHAOS to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. podcast and sponsoring our boners. I'm looking and if you need Captain during the game, hello, I love fresh. Captain Narducci. <laughs> the great. thing oh, with the Italians best. is we do stick together. Right. In a way, like a lot of and that's what I think you did another job, amazing job of capitalizing on kind of you got more than Italians. You got the blue collar worker to bring his wife out and and family out and say, we're going to come see Sebastian. I think that's the way you get to like new heights in comedy. That's what I'm not searching for because I want it to happen organically as well. But it's like sometimes I think like, who the hell is my audience? Like I talk about Puerto Ricans. I talk about gays. I have an Italian last name, but I talk about I'm actually German. It's like, well, who the hell is coming to your show? Just, I don't know. And so, and so was that, I guess, you know, probably the same answer. You didn't even think about you just put the product out and the audience came. Well, I did think about that because there was a thing I did about Italian weddings in, a, in one of my specials. And I'm like, is, is anybody going to get that? You know, like going to an Italian wedding and the booster and the money and this, that, and the other thing. I said, eh, put it in and see what happens. And a lot of people gravitated towards that. And then I, it's not like I said, oh, here I got something. I'm like, all right, let, let me start talking about me personally, my culture, how I grew mm. up, my father which is a huge part of my act. And I wasn't talking about that prior. I was talking about, hey, I went to Subway today or went to dress uh, Ross Dress for Less. It was kind of like just general observation. And as soon as I started getting personal with, this is the way my father brought me up. This is how he behaves. This is how our relationship is. There was a lot of people started to relate to that and started to bring the family out. So I started to get like, you know, the neighbors and the family and the 18 people would come to a show because they all kind of related to the way I I grew up. So, yeah, there was a lot of Italians that gravitated towards the material. But, again, you don't have to be Italian to get it. You can be Spanish, mm. Greek. And he, yeah, oh, yeah. he has that same kind of Because I think it was, you know, it's about family and kind of like, you know, you almost being like the straight man around these crazy family, which a lot of people feel that yeah. way. But that's actually the cool part is that it's not just Italians. It is other cultures that see their similarities within that because I, I'm Irish. I And my family will send me Sebastian <laughs> clips all the time and be like, well, this is our family. We relate to this. Look at that. Yeah, I'm, I'm an outst- the external trickster. By yeah. Way, by the way, she is, she she's really has a great laugh and really keeps the momentum going here. Is this, is this, is that natural? Yeah. Yes. Yeah? Okay. It's natural. <laughs> That's a plant. Yeah, yes. we have it piped in like, <laughs> yes, we have, we always have a random Greek laugher off, <laughs> off camera. <laughs> and, and, uh, so, 
And what about the decision? And then we'll get off comedy because I know some of the fans are like, I don't want to hear about comedy. Well, it's like, well, you're going to hear about comedy. That's the thing. Okay, you don't want to hear about me, Mike, and Ian Fidance talk about our times at stand up. When you got, you know, a guy at Sebastian's level, you talk about comedy, so you shut up and fucking listen. <laughs> Nobody's even mad at me. So they're just yelling at my fans. They're probably enjoying it. I was like, did people say this? What about the decision to be clean? Was that a decision or is that just naturally where your comedy comes from is where you're not really cursing and getting too vulgar almost ever? Yeah, uh, that I like working corporate gigs. So if you're clean, you work a lot more corporate events. Mm, Right. And a lot of people don't like working corporates just because it's stuffy. You can't say this. You can't say that. So I'm like, all right, that was a business move. If I'm going to work outside of the realm of stand-up comedy clubs, corporates pay more. And if I'm clean, I'm a little bit more marketable in that space. Because, you know, corporate work, I think, begets corporate work. So if one company has you and you kill, you do, and he's clean. You don't have to worry about him. You know, human resource, you know. (laughs) So you don't have to, they don't have to worry. They feel safe. And kind of that's where the clean stuff came in because the, the high-end corporate work, generally speaking, they're looking for clean comedy and there's not a lot of it. No, I feel like the ones that's the, you, Nate Bargatze, Jim Gaffigan, Regan. Ryan Hamilton, Jerry yeah. Seinfeld, yeah. Regan. It's like there's only like a few. It's like yeah. 10 maybe yeah. of like known guys. But what happens then in your writing process if you do think like you got a bit that's pretty good, but it is a bit vulgar or a bit edgy. Do you just say, well, you know what? It's not for me and I, I lose it. Do you say it on the podcast? What do you do? No, I, I'm not editing myself going, I can't use this at a corporate event. I just, I use it in my act. and But my brain really doesn't go down that road much as far as like, oh, this is inappropriate. Mm. I don't think I should say it. I mean, there are moments where I'm like, oh, how's this going to be perceived or whatnot? I mean, you know, this, this culture that we're living in, I, you know, I... I would I like to be a little bit more aggressive in my material? Because I got some really funny stuff. But is it worth it? You know, right. is it worth it to go that way? And then, you know, I, I just I just keep it. Yeah. Yeah, because I, 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 I'm asking that question kind of for personal because, you know, just recently, like over the last two to three weeks, you know, my jazz, my girl, and, and even my mom were like, you know, you're doing great with comedy or everything, but like some of the stuff that you've put out, material, stuff on podcasts, whatever, like your daughter's eight now. So at some point already, one of her friends, it was all positive. One of her friends was like, she came up to you. She's like, mommy, uh, daddy, my my friend's dad knows you. He says you're like a crazy comic, but he loves you. And I was like, and crazy. And then I was like, uh-oh. And then I noticed like my mom at Thanksgiving last week there was a new person at thanksgiving a a family member's new new boyfriend was like you know my son's a comedian but don't you know listen at the you know your own risk like it's vulgar and i'm like you're introducing me like i'm a porn star (laughs) like uh, uh, and i'm like am i because like nobody's ever ever come up to me and been like you're a dirty comic no but but it's only now like as i'm moving forward a little bit i'm like i can't change the past what's out there is out there there's nothing i can do but it's like moving forward I got to start thinking, okay, you got a, a bit that gets good laughs that's right on the edge, but is it worth it? I've started for the first time in my career saying, is this worth it? Even with clips when Venetti and I talk or we would put something in, I'm like, it'll be funny, but I'm like, it's not worth it. Yeah, and yeah. I never used to do that. I used to be like, you know what? Throw it all out there. I'm me. But mm. now it's like, and I've been, you know, I love my kids or my whole world, but I'm like, only now when my daughter's eight and I'm like, 
she is going to one day be like, can you explain why you're the 9-11 guy? <laughs> you know? But it's smart of you that you don't have to deal with that. You know? Well, well I mean, I just think, you know... It, you do what's funny, right? As soon as you started editing yourself, you're not funny anymore. Yeah, right? that's true. That's true. So there's a fine line. Right. So you, you, you do what's funny, but then you ask yourself, is it worth it putting this bit out? <laughs> yeah. And possibly getting blown back from this, that, and the other. Thing. Right. So it's just, you got you to gotta weigh yeah. your options. The only, the only benefit of it, like Mike and I really, you know, we both put crazy stuff out there. The only benefit is if... You know, we either one of us get something very big, like that's in the TV film world. You know, we're an open book. It's like you, if you find anything, we'll be like, "Yeah, I said that in public." Right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I said that on a recorded. I don't medium. care. You know what you're getting into with me. So there's that. But for me now, I'm like, at the, for the first time, I'm like, yeah, but I still, I got like time to change. Hopefully, you know what I mean? Like yeah. not change, but like just be a little bit more. Thoughtful. But that's natural evolution of you, right? Isn't the whole point? I mean, for me, and granted, I'm speaking from a much different level, success level than you guys, but like comedy for me, the, the original purpose of it was to express as authentically as possible who I am through material, through whatever, and try to become as close to who I, who I am that I can be in front of people and entertaining. So it's like if you do worry too much about the commerce behind it, then that can kind of steer the art in a weird direction, right? So if you're kind of deciding to be clean for the money purposes, right. are you actually then doing art or well, are you just selling something? Well, that's the thing. It's what, for me, the motivation wouldn't even be the money. I mean, money is great, but it'd be mm -hmm. more like, are my daughters going to respect me? Right. You know but what don't I mean? they want to, don't you want them to live authentically? Like, don't you want them to live as much of, as who they are as transparently as possible? So what are you saying? You want me to go out there and do <laughs> material about their mom's butt? You think that that's okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just offering a counterpoint because I, I wrestle with this I shit respect, all the time. Yeah. yeah, he makes a good point. You know, yeah. like, are you being clean for financial gain? No, not necessarily. I just kind of noticed that I was making $1,200 a week at a comedy club and I was waiting tables, mm -hmm. right? And my comedy generally is observational and not a lot of swearing and yeah they're swearing what are you doing on the phone i was pulling up <laughs> no i was getting ready for the next segment i was getting ready for the next segment here we go is it, make sure is we keep this, that in <laughs> yeah is this this younger shit where you could multitask because once i look at my phone and someone's talking whatever the person's saying i'm not even no listening. no no i was listening i just wanted to get it geared up <laughs> Here we go. No, no, here we go. And by the way, I will say with multitasking and things like that, the number one stop for multitasking, shipstation.com. <laughs> Promo code chaos. They'll explain everything. They'll help you with everything. You just focus on what you got to do. Let them handle the rest. Shipstation. Get shipped. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Yeah, so I just saw a opportunity to work outside the comedy clubs. And by the way, you can go hit your phone. Um, no, now it's just there, but I'm not. It's 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 powering. It's got power over me, but I, I'm I'm going to show I have power over it. Uh, I just saw an opportunity in that space mm -hmm. where I could utilize what I was already doing and and work and 
make more money and not have to wait tables so I could work more on. Yeah, yeah. But when yeah. you first started stand up, when you were still like you were simultaneously working, you know, stand up and, and, and the waiter job you had, were you then thinking about being clean? Was it just natural or you it was would just it do was whatever? natural and it was a fa- family thing. I, I never want to like embarrass my family. Right. So I don't never want my father to go, what the fuck you talking? What, what kind of shit are you talking about right. there? So, and that's kind of how we were growing up. You never wanted like it embarrass the family. When, if you got a detention at school, you're like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? We don't, right. we don't behave this way. Right. So that was kind of instilled in me at a young age. So mm-hmm. I've always loved the cleaner comedians, though, growing up. I mean, yeah, I liked, you know, the Priors and the Carlins of the world. But, you know, I just I grew up on Johnny Carson, Brian Regan, um, you know, Seinfeld, guys like that. were kind of kept it clean and uh, didn't really talk about things that were not relatable to kind of everybody in the crowd. Right, yeah, it's it's also, also, you know, from the audience at home, it's much more difficult to yeah. be clean. It just is, especially in a relatively vulgar world. It's like the clean guys stick out. I think it's more difficult to get initial attention, especially because of, you know, everything now is like kind of slammed in your face and you need to be outrageous to, in the, to get the attention of somebody in a half second as they're scrolling. Mm-hmm. So the simple fact that you've been able to maintain an audience while also at the pace you're at, I wanted to ask you comedically, like what it was like coming up in shit rooms and small rooms with your pace, because you're both big hey, and he's sl- clean. Poo-poo rooms. Poo-poo rooms. <laughs> Dookie rooms. And uh, I just wanted to know what it was like. Like, did you have trouble fighting through loud, crazy audiences that were hyper-interactive because, you know, sometimes slow but but also big act-out acts can have, you know, a pushback in those rooms. Yeah, because there's a lot of silence mm-hmm. and there's a lot of timing involved. So within those uh, silent moments, there is a tendency to people to yell yeah. or say something. But I think what happens is you train the audience, okay, this is my speed, this is my style, get on my train yeah, so for for me it was it was you know when, when i when i was doing uh, ha- uh bananas in hasbrook heights i don't know if you've ever done that oh, oh, yeah, oh, yes. Sure have. oh yes we have <laughs> got banned yeah got banned? i sure did yeah yes <laughs> the lady as i'm walking to the stage goes by the way this is a clean set and i was like it very isn't yeah. and i walked on the, la- like, the last time i did it three years ago they hang actual bananas yeah. that they bought at the grocery yeah. store uh you know an hour before right it, they fell on my head in the middle of a joke. <laughs> they just the, the wire snapped and they fell on my head. Yeah. And I was like, "What am I doing?" But yeah, the, but it's a great room, Mike. There's a subscription for everything, yeah. even shaving. I've been using this subscription shaving company, Harry's. Yeah, you know Harry's. I do. Yeah, I dude. Do. Harry's is I, that's what I shaved with here. It looks good, man. Thank it you. Looks like it, it was. I, I remember when you did it fresh. I was like, "Wow, that is yeah. the closest shave I've seen in a while." I wonder. Where he gets his razors. Yes, and the answer is Harry's high-quality German-engineered blades right to your door. Every order saves you money compared to that big brand most guys are used to buying. You get them low as $2 per blade at harrys.com slash chaos. I'm telling you, to always know that you got fresh blades coming is awesome. It can be a little nerve-wracking with... Jasmine, but sure. <laughs> but it's one of those things where I put them in a safe place, and I always am getting. I, I don't have to now 
go to the barber and have him shave me. I can yes. shave myself because of Harry's, and I re- Harry's is my barber. That's the best part is you can actually get a barbershop quality shave, have no irritation, none of the bumps or any yes. of that. Because, I mean, you know, I'm one of those two-blade guys that used to hack away at my face with a dollar thing that you could then throw away. And But this, this is unbelievable. It actually keeps your face smooth, keeps it less irritated. It's a beautiful thing. Yes, and the blades are made in Germany, so they stay sharp. And literally, they have lotions, creams, washes. They keep your skin healthy, hydrated. You can cancel your subscription at any time. They are still offering a no-risk trial. So if you don't like to shave, don't worry about them. It's all good. The trial set is a $13 value for just $3 at harrys.com slash chaos. What a great gift to give to the man in your life. harrys.com slash chaos for a $3 trial set. Get started with the $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash chaos. Get a subscription. Saves you time and money with harry's shaves some time and money off (laughs) (laughs) i have got if you're looking for like christmas gifts i am okay uncommon goods this is the spot okay Okay. so do do you know what uncommon goods are i'm unfamiliar dude so they have gifts for everybody products high in quality unique handmade made in the u.s they're meaningful out of the ordinary gifts that you pretty much can't get anywhere else that's why they're uncommon so if you want to just surprise someone and just bam great christmas gift holiday gift the uncommon goods is the place if you're looking for a gift that you don't have to get worried it gets lost in the mail or anything like that uncommon goods has you covered there it's called uncommon experiences they have virtual classes unexpected opportunities fun ways to connect like tarot card reading lunar astrology charting cooking mixology classes gardening so much more wow from art and jewelry to kitchen home and bar uncommon goods has something for everyone not the same lackluster gifts you could find just anywhere this is exactly where i'm going to get the rest of my christmas seriously i swear to god like some of these ads you read and you're like oh just say it but like i'm genuinely going to uncommon (laughs) goods like this is what you get for Christmas. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. Oh, They've wow. donated more than $2.5 million to date. Oh, that makes Vito happy. <laughs> He's like, like, oh, good. Making a difference. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash chaos. That's uncommongoods.com slash chaos for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon, Uncommon Goods, goods. We're all out, out of, of the ordinary. ordinary. It's a great room. It's in a banquet hall. You know, it's like one night there's comedy, and then the next morning there's a card show. Right. So, and they had the bananas. They had a gorilla. Did you have the gorilla on the stage, or did I take that out? The gorilla I didn't have. I did it when it was at the Holiday Inn Express off the side of the highway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They had a gorilla on on stage. I remember that. uh, I think they did off to the side. There was a gorilla, and then there was a tree as well, I think. Yeah, there was a tree. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're doing 54 people at, uh, at Bananas on a Thursday, and, you know, you just, that's what the beauty of stand-up for me was, is learning in those environments, learning in those rooms, going to Manteca, California on a Wednesday night because they were giving you 100 bucks and they were giving you 45 minutes. You couldn't get that in L.A., so yeah, I'll go to Manteca and drive three hours right. for, for more time, and, and you kind of... You know, you need that. You need that as a foundation, as a comedian, I think, to build upon. So when you do other bigger shows, nothing really phases you because you've seen it already. You yeah. Know? So here we go. I want to ask questions from my manager known as the Italian woman is what we call him. He did some digging on you. He's always got a source everywhere. This this guy. These are the questions that he has. This is what he wants to say. He goes, uh, he says, um, oh, uh, uh, here we go. 
um, you well. <laughs> Yeah, because some of them are like, I'm not asking them this. Yeah, some um, of them are just appalling. I wonder he was hey, were you recently invited to Leonardo DiCaprio's house to play pickleball? I I played I have played pickleball at his his home. Okay, yes. there you go. So there there you go. He had, I think he had a private spy following you. How about this one? He go he goes he goes. Um, uh, uh, where is the one? Oh, here we go. You know, you played Crazy Joe Gallo and the Irishman. We knew that. By the way, Italian woman, we saw the movie. He goes, um, which was nominated for an Oscar. Again, we know. He got you got to attend the show, and they you thought you'd be sitting with the rest of the cast, but you were put in the upper level of the theater, and at the end of the night, you fell down the stairs. Yeah. So that was the green book. So Thanks. Uh, way to go, Italian woman. <laughs> what who's an who's idiot. Italian manager? Huh? Who's Italian manager? My manager. Oh, my manager, ours. we call him the Italian woman. <laughs> yeah. He's an Italian guy. His name's Emilio Savone. He manages Mike and I, and we call him the Italian woman because he's got gorgeous. Hair. From the back, he looks like a beautiful Italian woman. Yeah. And then you turn around, and he's got facial hair. So, so, but and he, so he's he an goes, woman. he goes, hey, he texts us. He goes, he goes, hey, I, I got notes on Sebastian, and I was like, great. And so, yeah, this is what this is what he t- tells us. And then, and then, and then he also said that uh, uh, there was a. Um, uh, the, the, there was a, you know, an unfortunate, you know, an, an uncle had passed away and then you release butterflies and you had to defrost the butterflies as they were ship frozen and the service went faster than expected and the butterflies weren't defrosted. So when people open up the envelopes to release them, they just fell to the ground, the dead frozen butterflies. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this was on my podcast. So he, does he generally... Okay, so then that's what he did then. So he, does he send you notes on guests and then you ask the questions? The one and only time he's ever done this was today and we thought he presented it as I'm doing this I got. I did some digging. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you mean just listen to episodes of his podcast? You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to justify the ten percent or whatever. The That's what he is. Oh, he will not. No, no, no. He will not get a cent. <laughs> we have better questions from Jasmine, my girlfriend. She says, "I'd like to hang out with Sebastian's wife. I love her. She's an amazing artist. I also would like to know what he thinks of your feet." <laughs> what feet? What? Chris has atrocious feet. Oh, because yeah, because feet disgust you. Yeah, so but she lo- yeah, uh, she loves uh, she loves your wife. That's your is an foot? artist, dude. That's your real big toe. That's yeah, that's my real big toe. <laughs> Am I in weaky feet? That looks like Yosemite Sam's nose. What about the ones that I smashed and smushed into the high heel? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, is that is that is that um? I mean, looking at your foot is is not a that's not a. <laughs> normal no. foot right no i was born with i was born with uh disgusting feet. my feet my my mom says when i was born the doctors thought that i had broken feet they thought that i potentially broke my feet coming out of the womb <laughs> your that's f- what they potentially genuinely thought that and they had to x-ray my feet within the first minutes of my and life your hands were flexed and my hands were flexed and my thumbs were flexed in on my hands i came out of the womb like in like really where the doctors were like not so fast your foot was, is hitchhiking yeah that's so not though, but there's one more where it's smushed into the i think it was on my page so i mean are those they, are those are, are they um Oh god, dude! Oh my god! What do you think of that? My one toe goes over my other toe. Because it's in a heel. (laughs) You know what, Sebastian? We're different. I like to embarrass my family. (laughs) Where my father goes, what are you doing? You have Sebastian on. What are you showing your feet heels for? Um, 
No, I, I've never seen a foot like that. But does it give you any problems running or? I've had consistent Achilles heel pain since 2003. It's it's to the point where I I will say this. My father has horrific feet as well. At some point, he told me in his late 30s, early 40s. So I'm 39 now, so I'm coming up. He said that they the doctors had no choice because his big toe. His second toe just grills over his big toe like this, and he couldn't wear any shoes anymore. He's like, anytime I wore, I'd have to wear Band-Aids on my toes because my shoes would, my toe would just rub against the top of the shoe, and oh. I would get blisters. So he said the doctor had to go in and just break my toes. Jeez. He broke all of my toes and reset them the in a splinter. So, so I'm probably going to have to do that. What the fuck? Dude? I'm probably going to have to get my feet <laughs> broken for my own like, good. Like you went through Chinese foot binding? Yes. <laughs> just have to reset the whole thing? It's a weird, it's a, it's a weird thing. I mean, dude, I mean, men's feet though, but you don't ever want to see a man's foot. At no point is it ever the better option to wear a sandal for a guy. I, right? I never I never wore sandals. I had a little problem. This was uh probably oh four, oh five. I had a little uh nail fungus under my big toe and I took Lamisil. It was actually mm. a prescribed drug to clear the fungus up because I would go to the pool on vacation. I, I don't really want to take off my shoe. People see this. Now you having the feet the way you do. You go on a vacation. Are you just like, hey, hey this is my foot? Or are you trying to No, hide Jazz, or? my family, and uh, we just went to Orlando a couple of months ago. Water shoes. She will not allow me to go out of the house. Oh, I have water shoes at all times. She said that she thinks the most, even more embarrassing than some of my podcast clips <laughs> are my feet in public. So she, she, has, she packs them. Water shoes. I will not go out. In any type of sandal or barefoot with my family, it's embarrassing to her. Has anybody ever had a reaction to them? No. Um, people, when I posted a pic, there's another picture, uh, V, of my foot. If you go to Christy Comp, just go to my feet or my Instagram where, where we get a nice close-up of it. And it was, um, you know, people were DMing to the point. This actually was, because I'm not on Instagram. I'm on Instagram, but I don't run the account anymore. I, I, I'm there and I was post, you know, my 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 comedy there, but I don't run it because I just thought it wasn't good for me to get all these opinions or whatever. But it, the, the beginning of that was with this foot pick where people were seriously kind of being like, you know, I'd, I'd like to see you put to death. Like, I hate you. Your feet are disgusting. You know, you made my kids cry. I said, you know what? Maybe I should just go. Um, is that the guy? There, there you go. Oh, so that yeah, this is it where they you know just bang. You know, you <laughs> I just love the sock imprints under yeah. the sandals. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know it happens, man. So they're not. It's not good, but. <laughs> Dude, that's it happens, man. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, that's what I mean. My special. It happens, man. It's not good. So, yeah, man. No. I think you're talking to uh, you know three guys here who is it's a resounding no. We I don't think there's any situation. If Jesus came back to life, I'd, I'd ask him to put socks on. I'm a socks I don't want to see slides guy. I like sli I like socks with slides. That's and called being Dominican. From like <laughs> <laughs> a Puerto Rican, wear the that's my family's Puerto Rican, I so I could still speak wear the on the Dominicans. <laughs> yes, I thought they still wear the thong with the socks. No, the the, the rule, what the thing, the old thing was the Puerto Ricans would wear sandals. I'm talking like post basketball game. You know, you put on the slides after you're done playing and it feels yeah, great. I like be, that. Yeah, that could be a, an athletic look. <laughs> yeah, right, right, athletic look, but you have the sock on. The point is, I don't want to see your toes. No. Never want to see your toes. Never show when them. a guy's at a comedy show with an open toe, I don't care if it's July in Phoenix, it's it's disgusting, it's nauseating, and I, I want to throw them out. Yeah. 
you know, but is there part of you like in the like fighting that part of you that wants to stomp on them? Like as soon yeah. as you see them, like just a little nagging thing in the back of your head. Yeah, I, I, it's just it, I, I typically can't eat because I just think about there's no way you can keep a, a, a male foot clean like it. Right. They're, we're well, disgusting. There is, there is. What do you think? Um, when you go to when you go in the shower, mm -hmm. do you wash your feet? Yeah. No, I do because I grew up with athlete's foot. Okay, so like, what do you, what's the process? I soap under the arch. I get between the toes, top, and then I almost slip to my death every time. Okay, so a lot, of, pe a lot of people don't do that. I have a, a scrubber, mm -hmm. and I put soap on the scrubber, and I That's on the bottom of my foot scrub yeah. all the time. People are under the misconception is they're in the shower, and because their feet are in water, they're getting clean. They're actually not. You got to get there's some effort there. Yeah. Right? See, my, my, see, I'm going to get a scrubber because I have never thought once about washing my feet. And it's kind of all appearing to me now that the only way my feet get bathed is a mixture of soap and urine. <laughs> That's what Dude, it is. All of my basketball teammates were convinced white people don't wash themselves from the knee down. You're right. They're like, you guys don't you wash, don't wash you don't shower your shins. I, well, I fit that stereotype because I'm thinking about like I took a shower this morning. I didn't even, I didn't even attempt. To wash my feet, I said it's getting lathered up with soap and urine, and <laughs> yeah, I got. I'm gonna have to get a foot scrubber, mom. That's what I want for Christmas. I know this is an episode she will watch. Normally, my mom will not watch. She cannot watch, but with you, she's gonna watch. So, mom, that you've asked me ten, you asked me ten thousand times at Thanksgiving what I wanted for Christmas, and I just said I don't need anything. I don't need anything. I'm telling you now, I'd like a foot scrubber. I'd like a foot scrubber. What does somebody like you want for Christmas? Like, do you do you have any like thing? You know, what do you get your wife? I mean, getting your wife is probably pretty pretty fun at this stage in your career since you have kind of endless resources. But like somebody like you, what do you want? Endless resources. Yeah, endless resources. Like, you know what I mean? Elon Musk. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, I I you know it's not like I got a wish list of, mm. of what I what I want for me. Christmas time right now is really special because of the kids. My my kids are writing what they want from yeah. Santa, and they got I got a whole list for my six year old daughter of what she wants. You know, half of it I don't even understand. I can't right. even make out the spelling and whatnot. <laughs> so for me, but for me, I don't know. I'm just looking for you know uh, screen wipes to wipe my phone down. Right, right. right. Yeah. Never have enough of those. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm just looking for things I typically wouldn't buy for myself, like mm -hmm. little little small, practical stuff. Yeah. Wine, I like wine, so yeah, a bottle of wine is nice. But you know, I'm not uh, at this point. The joy of giving mm. is a lot better than the the joy of receiving. It, yeah, it's. It, I will if you you know having kids. A great gift is you can go to KiwiCo.com, <laughs> put in our promo code Chaos. The number one arts and crafts services for children delivered right to your door once a month, engineered by scientists, artists, four kids, young-minded adults, four kids. It's beautiful. I mean, Sebastian, I made a, <laughs> I made a volcano with the kids. I made a pinball machine. I made headphones. They're learning and they're laughing. That's what it's about. KiwiCo.com. <laughs> Promo code chaos. Now, I, 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 can we get the feet off the screen, please? It's so troubling. She just lets it sit. Now, you know, to like, uh, you know, being dads, I mean, you know, Mike, Mike has a, how old is your Four. son? Four. Yeah, yeah. Vegetarian. Four. And your son is six or your daughter six? Daughter six, son's four. Daughter six, son's four. Do you find that your daughter is light years ahead, more mature than your four-year-old son? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, 
you know, when she was four, she was, you know, just a, was reading a little bit. And yeah. Just a little bit more sophisticated. My son is, you know, a, a brute. You know, he's moving stuff. He's, I want to wrestle. And <laughs> right. want to get, you know, knocked around a little bit. So, but I have, uh, for my daughter and I, I mean, at this age, she's, you know, when I leave, she cries. Uh-huh. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. Do we got to retire? You know, yeah. I mean, I, I can't do this anymore. So, I don't know. For for us, we're uh, sh- yeah, it's 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 we're at a good stage right now because they're communicating. But yes, she's far more advanced than him. Yeah, it's so funny. Like my daughters, you know, I have a eight year old and a two year old, and the other day they were doing ballet, like gracefully in the living room, beautifully. Then my thirteen year old stepson fell down the stairs <laughs> in the house, fell down the stairs into the living room. We were like, what are you doing? He goes, I just fell down the stairs. We were like, we know. They were just doing the ballet. Then he went outside and fell down the front steps outside. So two flights of stairs, back to back, 30 seconds. Kid fell twice while these girls are gracefully doing, one of my two-year-old is doing ballet on her toes. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? And then he just fell. Who falls down two flights of stairs? But it's funny being boys, man. It's wild. I have to, I have to, I explained to my son yesterday that your head is important because he just <laughs> literally will just walk up to things and slam his head into him like he's a fucking dinosaur. And I have to right. explain. I'm like, dude, head trauma is real. CTE. You don't want to, you know, murder somebody and forget why you walked in the kitchen. Like this is you got to stop. Yeah, right. You got yeah. any parenting tips? We like to sometimes we like to ask a guest about a parenting tip. We do a thing called I am Poppy where we give little parenting tips, but. So I started my kids young making their beds in the morning. I thought that was crucial because, you know, chores for me was part of my upbringing. I had a vacuum on Saturdays. I was dusting. I was cutting the lawn. I was hedging bushes. I mean, there was a lot going on in my house. So for them, I've made it a point, you know, make your beds, clean your dishes. I help, uh, I help them or they help me make, you know, cookies or dinner start getting them to make their own breakfast, their own lunch. I want them to become self-sufficient and not have everything done for them. Because as you, you know, my kids are living a different life than I lived, you yeah, know, sure. working class family. And, uh, you know, we, we had to do things. And it's very easy to give the kids an iPad nowadays. And, Here, go, go. And, and, and I don't want to be bothered. I see that a lot with parents, you know. Even when you go out with your kids to a dinner, you see the whole family sitting there and everybody's got an iPad or an iPhone. Mm-hmm. No one's communicating, no interaction and whatnot. So we make it a point to engage with our kids uh, a lot uh, and, and not just put them in front of an iPad or a TV. So getting outdoors, you know, right. sports. You know, my, sister, uh, my, my daughter's involved in you know, acting class, piano. This is stuff, too, that... Growing up, my mother put me in piano and I'm like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. And like, like, all right, you know, forget it. Where we're more like, no, you're going to do this. My, my daughter wanted to quit gymnastics. And we're like, no, we, you sign up for something, you, you do it. So I think instilling in them, uh, you know, structure and right. having them be self-sufficient is very important, especially when nowadays it doesn't seem there's a lot of communication between families. Mm. No, yeah. I, I try to now take the opportunity. Like I, we moved from Staten Island. We moved uh, off that. And when we were living on Staten Island... My daughter was on the bus, right? And I was thinking she would take a school bus, school on the corner. I'm thinking, oh, this is great. Like, you know, just drop her off on the bus, get her on there 705. I don't got to sit in traffic. I can start my writing and whatever, and she's safe on the bus. And now I started to realize, like, you know, 
These 15 minutes in the morning when I walk my daughter to school, forget about me, to get to communicate and connect with just her and I is like the best 15 minutes of my day. And then it galvanizes me to want to even create and, and more where I'm like, I thought the bus was a good thing, but it's like, no, now I get this time. Yeah. Anytime I get more time with my kids, like when we're stuck in traffic, when my dad used to be like hitting the horn, like I'm, I don't think about that. I'm like, oh, I get more time to ask my kids silly questions yeah. and be silly in the car with them. I'm always thinking like that now because, you know, I'm at, you know, having a two-year-old is, is tough. You know, I'm at the that the height of the terrible twos. I mean, my the other day, my daughter from the top floor threw a full shit piss diaper, dropped it down, exploded all over my kid's knees. I mean, just bang, <laughs> just, a, just an actual bomb. Organic. And so, and so like, you know, we're, we're dealing with, <laughs> we're dealing with, you know, it's tough not sleeping, you know, like all that. But even that, I'm like, you know, even her being too, like, just like, like, like when she's crying and all that, I used to just at times just get frustrated and be like, oh, I wanted, now I'm like, oh, I get to hold her to calm her yeah. down. I, she gets to feel my body and my heart. This is all beautiful. And you're eventually going to miss it. You're yes. Like even the worst parts of this time that are the most difficult, you're eventually later in your life going to be like, oh, man, that was the best. Dude, the, 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 the most pain I was in emotionally in a long time in my life, and it, she didn't even mean anything by it. I went to go pick up my eight-year-old mm. about a week ago, and she was like, I don't want to be picked up. And I was like, that's the first time that ever happened. Yeah. I was like, wait, what, what do you mean? Yeah. I, I, I always pick you up. That's wild. But she didn't want to be picked up. She wanted to be, you know, she's like, I don't want you to touch me right now. And I'm mm. like, yeah, but I'm your dad. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you cry a lot? You seem like a, a guy who's, who's... We both cry quite oh, yeah. a bit. We yeah. cry, babe. I cry on podcasts. I, I'll let it rip. <laughs> like I said, not afraid to embarrass my family. <laughs> I don't think crying is embarrassing. No, no, I'm no. just saying there's a vulnerability there that I'm seeing with you just hanging out with you because I really never hung out with you that you could cry at any moment. Any moment. <laughs> I'll cry. I'll cry at any moment. Any moment. I'll cry at any moment, and and I'll cry at any moment. And Chaz Palminteri told me once. He goes, "You're the you'd be the first to go." I said, "What do you mean by that?" He goes, "Somebody comes in with a gun, they're shooting you first. You just you just feel like a guy. You're the first to go. Battle. You're dead first. I said, "You know what? You're right. I am. I, I am. I, he goes, "You're the first to go." And, and yeah, this 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 one came out of nowhere. Yeah, that uh, what a chubby little shit I was. Um, Benetia, stop. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. <laughs> I don't know what that, yeah. Oh, well, that's traveling. I, yeah, I, 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 just got, I just got emotional because I was like, I, I literally, uh, I had to miss my daughter's swim practice. And I was like, what am I doing this for? Well, but then I mean, you went on the guy, th this guy cries constantly too. Yeah. So yeah. Both, yeah. Was he crying when you were crying? Uh, yeah, he started, he uh, then, he so then both, started both, to cry. Both crying. So. He, yeah, <laughs> he then started to cry. Yeah. And then I was surprised he didn't, yeah. There he is. Yeah, started to cry. Yeah, I mean, at first yeah, I was crying. <laughs> yeah, he starts to cry. Yeah. <laughs> then I started to cry more because I was like, "Your hat's stupid." <laughs> uh, it's um, yeah, but I think well, there's a vulnerability in being a comic, right? I mean, it's it's all on our even the most uh, you know strong-willed manly men comics or you know strong-willed female comics. Like we're all vulnerability is what the people right. It's how are you packaging your vulnerability is what. Oh, comedy is, I think, a lot of times. Part of being a comic, part of being an, an actor is accessing the emotions. Yeah. Right. And we're like, and, you know, because we're, again, trying to be truthful and authentic, it's like, yeah, we keep it right to the surface, constantly right. close to tears. Keep it, keep it going. <laughs> what, um, I like one podcast a day. That's, that's the Sebastian rule. I like that. I do one podcast a day, too. 
I mean, we'll do a short Patreon after you leave. What we do is, <laughs> like, you know, you know, you stay here at patreon.com slash Christy Comedy, 20 minutes behind the scenes of the guests. We talk shit. And that's, <laughs> no, 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 no. We talk about what Mike and I break down, what we thought of the podcast, what we did wrong, what we were embarrassed about. So patreon.com slash Christy Comedy. That's where a lot of stuff that we're like, I can't even say this on YouTube. We'll go on Patreon. And nobody will ever hear it except probably my mother. And then she'll bring it up at Thanksgiving in front of the family. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the, the, so, the, the rate, the rate of, of how you, I don't know what you're taking as far as uh, caffeine or stimulants, mm -hmm. but the, the speed in which you speak is, is extraordinary. It's <laughs> unreal. <laughs> but is it audible? Are you, are you, are you capturing every word I'm saying? Not at all. Half. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> this is the issue. This is the issue. When I'm like, why didn't they like that bit? And my family's like, because it sounded like you were speaking Swahili. You were, <laughs> you were speaking way too fast. <laughs> Breathlessly moving between topics. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, look at these days. Are you done with this part of the tour? Oh, no. You're on tour. Going on tour right now. Yes. Yeah, so 2024. This was, this was just announced today. So tickets go on sale tomorrow, Wednesday. Pre-sale code right. I feel like you know. Pre-sale code right. <laughs> Chrissy, chaos, chaos for 10% discount. <laughs> that's it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that just was released today, and this is going to happen in July of next year. Are you so, doing New York? I can't yeah, see. New York is in there in September. I Which, what, uh, MSG? Yeah. Nice. Yes, baby, so, too. Right? Look at that. So, I'll come. I'm coming. Uh, September of 2024. Yep, Magic Square. That's I awesome, mean, man. What do you think? What do you think now that you've been through the arena? Uh, Louis C.K. was on the podcast once, and he said, you know, he was like, you know, I hope that one day you guys get to do the arenas once. He said, but for comedy, he, he, he did it, wound it up a couple of times, but he said, you know, it's better, like he said, for New York, he's like, you know, you do the garden because you do the garden. Obviously, it's, it's the garden. You keep doing it if it's offered. He goes, but my best shows have been at like the Beacon. Or even Radio City. Do you, are you do you find that to disconnect with the arena? Or yeah, it's a lot of people. Right. It's a lot of people. I mean, I prefer a comedy club mm -hmm. or anything else. Um, but I think you enjoy it the second time around. I, I didn't really enjoy my first run at Madison Square Garden because it was we did two shows in two nights back to back. Had a meet and greet in between. Oof. Didn't really get to enjoy that fully. And the second time around, I was a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, I had a better time with it. But. Uh, yeah, I, 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 these arenas are difficult. I do mine in the round. I think that for me is more intimate than the end stage just because, you know, the people are, you know, really kind of close to you. At the end stage, I feel like the stage is too high and you don't get that interaction as you would in the round. It's a lot more work, work in the, work in the round, but that's the way I kind of like it. But, um, yeah, we... Uh, now, all these arenas or not? All these arenas, yeah. Wow. So Damn. I've never done an all-arena tour. It's been, you know, mixed and matched with theaters and places that generally I haven't gone, so the tickets might not sell as much, but this time around, we're like, you know what, let's just make it all... Make all, it all arenas. All arenas and see what... See what happens. So yeah, under a lot of pressure to you know to sell tickets, and you know you want people to come out and see you. So uh, that's why you go on this show, and uh, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get a lot of <laughs> lot of Puerto Ricans. <laughs> we're selling tickets. We're selling tickets right now. This is part of the business. It's part of the business. Yeah, <laughs> sell the tickets. <laughs> Hershey, PA. You ever go to uh, Hershey, PA? I love they got uh, uh, Hershey kisses for the lamppost. I always like that. Uh, the street lights. You don't know. I went there 10 times. Mm -hmm. And then one day I looked up and said, holy shit, all the street lights are Hershey Kisses. No, I didn't notice that when I went. Oh, there you there. go. You're not. 
You know, now you know. When you go there, when you go see Hershey PA October 6th. <laughs> they give you a big Hershey bar, though, when you go to Hershey. They give you, yes. they give you a big uh, chocolate bar. When you so I was there the one week. They did this for one week in the history of Hershey Park. They attempted, and I was there that week. It was the middle of July. They had, when you get off the ride, when you get, you know, the, the, the Hershey Park ride, when you get into the park, you go through Chocolate World, right? And it's amazing. And then you get off the ride, and they're usually giving you little, little Hershey's to everybody free, right? On, on Milton Hershey. Just go ahead, take it. They attempted, for any kid, I think under 10, they had a chocolate milk water fountain that you could go hit, oh. and you could hit this chocolate milk water fountain. And I hit that for about four minutes straight. They had to like, my mother was like, Christopher, come on. I was like, no, I puked all over everything. Like I went on a couple of rides, the super duper looper, I remember, vomited everywhere. Throughout the day, you saw piles and pockets of puke oh. everywhere. Every kid threw up all over themselves. So Hershey had to be like, you know what? We got to lose the chocolate milk water fountain. <laughs> that's that's like one of the things I always you think about. subject zero. I was there the one and only week they had it. And it was a horrific idea. I mean, it was fun for me. But, I, dude, I puked everywhere. The Amish oh. dude, too. Maybe we'll get some Amish to come out. Not Amish, the Mennonites. You know the difference? No. The Amish, no, can't use electricity. They won't come to your show they, because they, they just can't be around it. The Mennonites can use electricity. They might come to your show, but they're dressed as the Amish. So if you see a guy in a long beard, and all, just know that that's a Mennonite, not an Amish, and he probably drove to your show and paid for your ticket in corn. <laughs> he probably bartered to get your ticket. They don't have any U.S. money. Venetia? This is it? Yeah. What? <laughs> um, I'm still on Chris Darius's other pod, but I'm always curious when comics come in and they've traveled so much and they've gone through so many different experiences. And mostly people say, if this didn't work, I would have been doing this. But having done everything that you have, what would you pivot into um, after this career? Just saying. Um, I would go into the hospitality business. I'd be right. running a small boutique hotel. I would be the general manager of the hotel. And I love taking care of people. So I worked for the Four Seasons for seven years as a waiter prior or while I was doing stand up. And I didn't appreciate that job as much as I would now just because, you know, when people come over, if I find out that you like a drink, you like a drink, I'll make sure I have that drink or uh, just love cooking for people, just love putting a smile on people's faces. And comedy, obviously, you do that with, with but for hospitality, for me, I, I'd be running uh, definitely a, a, a small hotel. Me and, awesome. my, me and my wife. My wife loves it, too. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you'll do that. Why don't you do that? Yeah. By the way, 10% uh, off, fourseasons.com. <laughs> Chrissy Chaos, Chaos, 10% off. You should. You guys, you guys really should. Use so. those promo codes. <laughs> um, doesn't Pete Corrielli, too, live, like, in the middle of New York, nowhere? Yeah, he lives in Fredonia, New York, where, yeah. where, where is there a lot of Amish. That's where his family, his wife's family's from. So What a beautiful thing, right? To just Because I've said that to myself. You know what? I'd probably be easier if I just lived somewhere else. But I'm like, ah, I get nervous leaving New York. But Pete was like, I'm still a comic, traveling comic, got a great podcast. One of, Pete Corrielli, I, I remember when I first started going to the Comedy Cellar, he was there every night and we just he's, annihilate. He's a beast. Annihilate. And yep. I'm like, good for him, dude. Just yeah. fucking... It's kind of like being off the grid, but still very much in the game. He's yeah, off, he's off the grid. 
He's off the grid. <laughs> <laughs> He's off. He is. He ain't coming to do Chrissy. Can't, can't. No. No. Let me get him a phone call. Call him up. All right. Well, Sebastian, enjoy the day. I will. What, uh, what are you doing? Right now, the- I'm going to go to Times Square and take a picture in front of the big billboard that we nice. have at Times Square. Beautiful. And then I got to go to the Drew Barrymore show. Love it. What yeah. a day. That's, that's my day. Tell yeah. her we said hi. Yeah. 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 What hotel, what was, because uh, this episode comes out in two weeks, what hotel room number were you? <laughs> At what hotel? What was the room number and what was the hotel? 2617. There it is, baby. See, go find them. 